What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast, curating content creators. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Friday, and you know what that means. I am joined by Cindy Dubon, who's a demand gen marketer at Greenfly. We're talking about demand generation and content and bringing those two worlds together. I got to tell you, I can't stop thinking about being on the MQL hamster wheel after this conversation. Really good soundbite by Cindy. A lot of really good knowledge. If you like what you've been hearing on the 3C podcast, hit that subscribe button. Leave me a review, why don't you? Tell me how I'm doing. Sign up for that wait list. We got the beta dropping soon. You don't want to miss out. You can find the link in the show notes or you can go to thejuicehq.com. I'm excited. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up? Welcome back to the show. I am excited for this episode. I'm joined by Cindy at Greenfly. I'm excited about this one because I think Cindy is the first air quotes demand gen marketer that we've had on the podcast. That was kind of my come up. I came up in marketing in demand generation. I think the lines between kind of demand generation and brand are very blurry these days. And we're going to talk about that. But without further ado, how are you doing today, Cindy? I'm doing great. Very excited to be here, Brett. Thank you for having me. Yep, absolutely. So we're, we're recording this on a, on a Friday, pushing towards the weekend, little, little uh, exhaustion setting in uh, on my end, but I'm excited. These are the things that energize me. I guess maybe let's start from here. Demand generation, there's this thought and mentality of like what demand generation is, what that role does for companies in B2B. This is a role, obviously, you are in senior demand gen manager. How are you thinking about your role specifically? And has that like changed over the course of time of maybe you joining Greenfly? Has that evolved at all? I'd love to get just the high level overview on just like demand gen and how you see it these days. Yeah. So demand gen for me is really understanding your target market, your buyer, and combining content and distribution, if you will, just to get that information in front of them. Right. And I think you brought up, has that definition changed? And Brett, to be honest with you, I question myself every day whether I do demand gen, just because I think there's been evolutions of demand gen. I think it started out as lead gen. Some people argue a lot of people are actually doing demand capture, but I think demand gen really from a philosophical standpoint is, you know, driving demand. It's people probably aren't aware that they need something or that their pain point is that bad. And I think as a demand gen marketer, you're bringing that to the forefront through a combination of content and reaching them through distribution, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that's good. And I want to drill into that. Before I drill into that, why don't you tell everyone what Greenfly does? Maybe who is the market you serve? Just make sure everyone knows what, what Greenfly is up to. Yeah, absolutely. So Greenfly is a digital media content collaboration and distribution platform. We work with brands to help them work efficiently with their advocates to leverage digital media, whether that be social media, video, whatnot, um, to really help them maximize digital and social reach and impact. Nice. So I think one thing is I know has not changed. It is very true of demand gen is just like the understanding of the people that you are trying to reach in that, that profile and the persona. Um, so on the green fly 
decide like who, who is your who is the primary buyer of your product? Like what industry, what what type of role? Yeah, so Greenfly, um, I would say started in the sports industry. We work with sports marketers uh, that work with talent, athletes, if you will. But it's really the person who is in charge of social media, organic reach. Um, it's hard to nail a title just because as we explore different industries and other industries we're focused on include um, entertainment, TV, media, if you will, as well as brands, lifestyle brands. But it's people who manage advocate programs. And sometimes it's a social media manager. Sometimes it's the head of digital. But really, it's the person that has their arms around digital and social media. Got it. And so then in in your role at Greenfly, primarily, like, would you say is... When when I when I think when a majority of people listening think of like demand gen, they think, all right, well, demand gen's job is to generate new leads for our company. Is that like is your primary KPI like trying to generate interest, new leads for the business? Yes, I, I would say fundamentally, yes. My main KPI is driving um, qualified opportunities for sales. So doing running marketing programs and bringing in, well, let's call them leads. Um, and I know we're going to dive into that a little bit more, but bringing in leads and really like I can count leads all day, but what matters for me is the lead that acknowledges who Greenfly is and why they're being hit up by sales. Right. And so that for me is my ultimate KPI, if you will. I love that. And uh, having an understanding of the why behind uh, the people and why they're interested in talking with sales. So uh, I think just the role of demand gen, I think is just such a critical role in marketing, right? That function, it's like a machine driving activity, getting um, content in front of the right people. I think like when a lot of people think about brand marketing and they think about demand gen marketing, they think about them kind of in, in as separate functions. I, I think what teams and what success and how that's all taking shape today are kind of when those two function, whether they're two separate functions working together or they're a demand gen marketer that is also focused on brand marketing too. I think the age old saying when I was uh, like starting off in marketer marketing, I've heard the the phrase so often was, you know, brand drives demand. So I I'd love maybe just to get your, your perspective as a demand gen marketer saying what you just said in order to try to get qualified opportunities over to sales, like how much of a role does the brand side play into what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? I So the brand side is huge, right? And I think when we get into like who does what, who owns what, I think it really boils down to like the company size, marketing team size. So I come from a startup background, very slim, limited marketing team. And so for me, fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, I've, I've overseen brand as well as demand. And the way I kind of look at it is like brand is the long game. It's chess, right? It's no, nobody builds a brand in a day. I mean, maybe by luck, but certainly not by strategy. You don't build it in a day. And I think demand is kind of those checkpoints, if you will, that brand, you you are winning this game of chess, right? And demand for me is capturing those names at certain points to reflect the fact that your brand is gaining notoriety, awareness, because at the end of the day, you know, people buy from people, but you all work for a company. And so it, it boils down to, I think anyone 
despite what we all may be told, we're, we're really not unique. Like the, all the products pretty much look the same. Look at a marketing landscape. Like we're all in the same buckets, you know, and we're moving between buckets, if you will. And so I think the differentiator for why someone goes with you is really your brand. And so, you know, it, I, it's hard to differentiate between the two, but just because I think I can spice slice it any day, you know, any different way you want, but, um, you can't really have one without the other. At least you can't have it well both ways. So um, I like that response a lot. I think what I just visioned, what was in my head when you were talking, it was the on the brand side, like when there are these conversations within marketing and people are trying to figure out, okay, how do we measure brand? How do we do this? How do we do that? It sounds like from your perspective, like in your role, like you are trying to layer in some accountability to brand activities by placing certain demand gen tactics along the customer journey to get potential customers for Greenfly to opt in to take that next step when ready or when applicable. Is is that right? Am I hearing that right on your end? Just kind of holding, placing some accountability with what the brand is doing and making sure that at the end of the day, like what you're doing is, is driving like pipeline and new revenue for the sales team. Yeah. I, I would say that's a hundred percent accurate. I think, I think brand gets a bad rap just cause like, I think you can write things off to brand all day and that's where I absolutely love demand gen. So for me, like PR, which is my background, if you will, my foundation, that's what I went to school for. I think PR is one of those, those realms where people are like, what, what's the value of that? Right. You issue press releases and like, no one ever picks up the phone and is like, hi, can, can, I saw that press release from Greenfly. Can I buy it? Like, that's just not how that works. Right. And so is there something you can do with that press release from a demand gen standpoint in order to draw people in? And part of it is strategy and making sure that press release is engaging, communicating, you know, that pain point that I mentioned to you about um, making it apparent that like we've solved a problem for someone and here's why it's relevant to you. And by the way, come, come by our website and check out our latest content, right. To really, really read on why we're right for you or why we know what we're talking about when it comes to these following pain points. And so, yeah, you're right. Like it's, it's absolutely marrying the two. I think, you know, there's this perception on like this direct response. It's like, all right, well, we're going to, you know, pay for this campaign or we're going to do this. And then it's going to generate this many leads. And then from these leads, we're going to get this many opportunities and from these opportunities. And it's like this rigid, like we're going to pay for this. And then all these things are going to happen and we can expect this. And that's like, I think just B2B SaaS in general, just the way it's worked over time. But I think things just with consumer habits, the power being in control of the consumer, you reference like, it, they're all commodities, like really like everyone's product is just a commodity. I, I think it, it it has kind of the, the, the function of the demand gen role in an interesting spot. And it's, it's a spot that I think is, is still very much uh, needed for successful marketing, but it's just evolved a little bit. I'd love for you to maybe talk about, you, you mentioned like the press release example, but like it can be the press release or it can be just any content specifically, like, someone in your role, when there's a new piece of content available, like how are you thinking about getting that content in front of the right people so that they can consume it, educate themselves? And then what is that process to try to eventually get them to 
the end game, which is a conversation with someone on your sales team. Like, how are you thinking through that? So I'll, I'll tell you how I would like to see things run. Although I'll be completely honest. Like I, I have not yet to really see an organization really, really like lean in on that. Um, and I think a lot of marketers, you, if you go through LinkedIn, you'll see that's the case. Like, so just to answer your question, I, so content, right. Is meant for consumption. And my personal view is that you, if, if you're spending a lot of time on something that's absolutely valuable, you know, you want as many people as possible to see it. And I think for a lot of companies, we, we need to track dollar for dollar. I think that's what you were describing, right? Like dollar in dollar out. And I think there is a play for that in certain cases, right? Like certainly if I'm running an ad to request a demo dollar in dollar out, but if I'm writing a guide on how to be the best at something, I mean, it's hard to say if someone's ready for a demo, right? And so with that said, I think it's about serving up content and getting them to consume it in as many different forms as possible. And that's where, for me, um, it's really understanding their bu- your buyer. It's understanding how they like to consume it. Is it, do they like to read guides? Do they like to listen to podcasts? Do they like to watch YouTube videos, right? Do they like to just see snippets on LinkedIn? Like what, what is it? And like, do they spend time in Slack communities, Facebook groups? There's so many channels to reach your buyer. And the key to all of it is really understanding where they spend their time and make fitting your content into how they consume things. And I think when you think about things like that, it obviously becomes challenging to do the dollar for dollar because I I don't know. I don't know how I track running awareness ads, you know, from a dollar dollar standpoint, because I'm not going to get the lead. But the thing is, is like, if I'm doing this for three months and then all of a sudden I notice there's a lot more traffic to my website, there are a lot more qualified demo requests it starts to get interesting, right? From a business standpoint. And I think at the end of the day, from a business standpoint, that's what you want. You want qualified buyers hitting up your sales team. And so I, I hope I answered your question. You and I took us through a journey <laughs> there, but um, I just, I, there's, I'm super passionate about this. And I think you can just talk all day about different facets of it. Yeah, uh, no, you did uh, very, very well done. And just like in one of those examples that you called out. So I see you, on it. Like there's interactions going on every day in like the marketing Twitter universe, right? Like people are sharing, commenting, engaging, and it's really actually quite fun to see and inspiring. And as I see all these interactions with marketers and B2B and all these relationships being built, inevitably over a period of time, a marketer is going to say, oh yeah, well, this dashboard is broken on our end. And I know Cindy and Cindy's company does this. And so maybe I'll ask her. And then from that relationship, all of a sudden, like you pass her to a member of your sales team. And then all of a sudden there's a product being bought via a Twitter relationship. And so like that's demand gen, but that's not how like traditional demand gen would be viewed. Like So I I think I just take a step back and I just think like from a tracking, a managing up the activity and everything that's happening, it's it's getting more difficult because those channels are expanding. People are buying from people, right? And not necessarily buying from companies. So like, how do you, how do you think about that in, in the role you're in and in the, the world we're living in 
with just interactions happening via DMs or um, at mentions on Twitter? Yeah. So I think marketing, unfortunately, like has become overly obsessed with measurement, right? And it's particularly like it, it just doesn't make sense in the scenario you described, right? And I think we've become obsessed with measuring because there's a lot of bad marketing going on to put it, to put it bluntly. Right. And so for me, it's, for me, it's looking for indicators of like understanding your buyer and it's, it, sometimes it's a gut feeling. I think Chris Walker talks a lot about this. Sometimes it's a gut feeling. It's people sliding into your DM saying, Hey, that was a great podcast. Hey, read your, read your post. Totally agree. It's a lot of comments, right? I, I think fundamentally it's hard. It's really hard. And I think that's why a lot of people are still chasing like the MQL hamster wheel, if you will. I know you've heard me say this before, um, but I, I think it honestly, it takes a lot of faith. Right. And so I'm still solving this problem myself because I still see a lot of organizations chasing MQLs and it's, it's not the right mindset um, nor the right framework. And the reason for that is because buying has changed. I, I, I don't know. I I know to your point, like I've been in many situations personally where I've become friends with people over the internet. Right. And I'm aware of their brand. And then I'll be in a Facebook group where someone's like, Hey, does anyone know about anything? And I'm like, Oh, I I haven't personally used them, but like, here's all the things I know about them. You might want to hit up this person. And I don't know how you track that. Right. And I know some companies will ask outright in the sales meeting, but people aren't always honest about that either. So unfortunately, I don't have a good answer for you. I think there are certain (laughs) things we can probably set up, right? Like we can make a best effort to track, but at the end of the day, shouldn't, shouldn't the real thing we'd be tracking be those qualified inbound requests? Like, isn't that really what matters? And so isn't measuring all these other things up into that point, just noise really. And like, I would argue that's why we're in this boat in the first place. Yeah. I like to refer to it as attribution intoxication. It's this obsession where then of that's all we're talking about and no real work gets done. You mentioned the hamster wheel, which I want to run back. And you also, when we talked before, you said, you know, we spend all this time, this, this time collecting names that don't go anywhere. So you've got this hamster wheel. We collect all these names. Is, is there an opportunity uh, instead of like measuring and talking about like the qualified and what we're, what, what's happening. Is there a way that like demand gen marketers can be talking to their managers or their managers, managers about, all right, we're paying or we're doing all these activities and here are all the names we're getting and look at all the names that just aren't doing anything, but we're doing all of these tactics. Like, is that, is that an approach that can be taken? I'd love to get your thoughts on just ways to communicate that. Yeah. So that definitely, I would say is the main approach. I don't think personally from my experience, like just coming up in arms and saying, look, like I went to all these trade shows and we captured all these pre-COVID, right? I ca- we scanned all these names. We uploaded like 20,000 names from the trade show and people aren't going anywhere. Like that, that works to some extent. Like everyone acknowledges, yeah, great. Marketing wasted a lot of money to get 20,000 names that went nowhere, right? I think the hard part is, okay, so what can we do instead? What can we measure instead? The reason why we measure names is because there isn't any other way to measure to show progress, right? And so for me, it's 
you know, maybe it's backing up and understanding, okay, how many people were at that show and, you know, went to our website after, right. Or how many people ended up reading a guide, subscribed to the blog. It's so it's like finding different indicators because people aren't going to a trade show. And I, I would love to be wrong. I would love to be proven wrong. I would love Greenfly customers specifically to prove me wrong about this. I'd love for people to come to a trade show and be like, that's this rocks. Let's do a demo and I'm going to buy this quarter, you know, what? next month. Right. And like, that's just not how it works. And so I think you have to come at it from a different angle. Like, great. We've all acquired names. Let's not push them through this MQL wheel. And let's, let's try to understand what's the buyer mindset when they run through your booth? What logically makes sense next? If they demonstrated interest and stop by your booth, what might they be interested in? Is it, you know, from a persona standpoint, their title? Great. They're at a C level. They probably have these, these points, right? Let's try to push them like some content and see what, how that works. Right. But I think it's, it, it's nurturing, but nurturing without this like target of like forcing them through an MQL stage, because have you ever read seven blogs and then realized like, I'm now ready to buy. And like, it's specifically because I touched your website three times and read seven blogs. And oh, by the way, you sent me three weekly emails. Like I, I could, I couldn't attest to that. Right. And I don't know any marketer who can truthfully. So yeah, it's, it's amazing the the rabbit holes we get ourselves into as marketers and companies and thinking that yeah because we put a name into our nurture campaign and we've got a nurture campaign with seven blog posts and we've got these clicks and if there's this many clicks and that means they're going to do x like that's it's it nothing nothing is linear it's 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 all based on the person so i think you just you just made me cringe a little bit thinking about trade shows too I, that could, I could, that could be a whole episode on trade shows, but I, I think I, I love your mindset and I think you're right. And I, and it's really hard. Like this isn't like uh this is going to be figured out overnight, but I think the more conversations about it and, and it, it goes, I think it goes down to the person and understanding what they're about and their motivations. And I think the really hard part is, is that that isn't really scalable and it takes a lot of time, but it's this shift from, I think organizations and marketers have to take from treating everyone like they're all just pieces in this process that we're building and creating and kind of taking a step back and realizing that it, everyone in the road and the journey and the needs and the desires of everyone who's involved in this is quite different. And we need to figure out as an organization, if we believe in that, and if so, what we're going to do about it. I think also just to like piggyback on that, there, there needs to be a willingness to take risks, right? So you got to change, like you got to go up to your leadership team. And, and I don't mean me as a marketer. I mean, like the marketing team as a whole leadership and, you know, the worker piece, if you will, but you gotta be willing to say like, look, we're, we're going to not report on MQLs because we're going to take a leap of faith. And we strongly believe that we understand the buyer enough to know that these are the types of things that they would experience prior to being ready. Right. And you hang your hat on like the demo requests, like, look, that's how we know. Right. So demo requests and also verifying that it was a marketing source lead, if you will. Mm -hmm. But that's really, truly like what marketing's after is getting people to opt in to wanting to hear about your product. And so 
we need to stop treating people like cells in an Excel spreadsheet. Cause honestly, that's what we're doing with all our lead scoring. Like they go into the system, they're a record. Now they like have all these points, right? Arbitrary points. They're people. And unless you're selling like t-shirts, right? Like just commodity, actual commodity products, consumer products, like it, people just don't buy particularly software the same way. And so there is a bag of things they might experience and we believe it might be this mix of stuff. And we know because we're going to, we're going to put all our bet on that demo request then move away and back away. And so it, it's willingness to take risk, willingness to be wrong, honestly, too. It's, but at the end of the day, I look at it and I'm like, everyone, everyone, I think who's on the hamster wheel, MQL hamster wheel could say, we have a ton of MQLs that go nowhere. So you're already going nowhere. So why not take a risk? And you might still end up at the same spot, but like, at least you tried it differently. Good stuff. Let's close out with this. We said a lot. There's a lot of good perspective that you dropped here. Maybe for anyone listening in a you know, demand gen or similar role who's feeling this, what what's like, what is the first, and you, you've, you've already recognized like, you know, we're, we're as a business still thinking and trying to work through this um, and it's hard, but what, what recommendations would you have for like anyone who's listening who are, are in a similar spot and are trying to push their companies forward to begin to maybe operate in a more customer centric demand gen driven uh, role or in marketing? Like what would you recommend? Yeah. So um, I, I, it's, it's out there. So it's not my philosophy fuel, but number one, marketers in general outside of demand gen need to talk to their customers or target prospects. If you don't have customers, you got to just get that first hand, hear it from the horse's mouth, right? How they buy, how they view things, where they spend their time, who their thought leaders are, just really understand them. I think that's marketing's job, number one. Number two, if we're moving into demand gen and you're frustrated with, you know, really trying to make an impact, I think you start looking at the things from a macro level, like what are you doing, right? How are you, how are you being forced, let's say, to track them now and collect data on why it isn't working, but more importantly, make recommendations on how to test better ways. So for me, like from a content standpoint, right, like it's going to be hard to walk into an organization and be like, no, no more MQLs and no more forms. Like it just doesn't work that way. And maybe one day when I'm the boss, I can, but right now it really doesn't from like the ground floor. And so maybe it's a matter of like unpacking your content and seeing if there's more time spent on the page, right? And see, maybe, maybe they read a little bit of the content, download the guide. Um, I think next you start testing gate, no gate. You know, and like you might find that there's longer time spent on page if you don't have the gate or um, people don't actually need to download your stuff, but they just want to read it. And then, you know, lastly, the ultimate goal here is just to like hit delete on that form and just let's let's move away from it. Let's put out content for the purpose of being consumed. And so crawl, walk, run, if you will, those are my recommendations. But if there's one thing that anyone takes away from this, it's absolutely know your customer, like know them well inside out because that's going to be your biggest like guardrail for why you should do things and why you shouldn't do things. Like 
it's hard, it's hard to go up against management and say, we shouldn't do something, but it's sure as hell is a lot easier to be like, we shouldn't do it because I talked to three customers and they said they absolutely hate it. Right. That's the, that's the best. It's been advice that has come up here, but it couldn't come up here more often because it is the most basic and fundamental thing we can do, but is often forgotten. So appreciate the perspective, Cindy. This has been awesome. Before I let you go, you're you're a marketer, so you gotta plug something. Plug like what where do you want to send people who are listening to this episode? I mean, I guess I'd love to hear from you on LinkedIn. So please find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter if you will. Connect with me and send me a note. Always looking to connect with other like-minded marketers and it their strength in numbers. And so the more of us there are, I think the more we can kind of gather all our thoughts and put an end to the MQL hamster wheel, if you will. That's my personal mission. And I know there's a lot of other people out there. That's your personal brand, Cindy. Kill the, <laughs> kill the MQL hamster wheel. Th- thanks so much. This has been great. Keep pushing um, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Brett. Appreciate it. I got to tell you, demand generation is near and dear to my heart. That was my come up as a marketer. And it was really nice to hear someone with the demand gen hat who's so focused on creating value and doing that through content. A lot of good stuff shared there. Hit that subscribe button. Leave a review if you'd be so kind. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. More 3C podcasts next week. 